Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Proverbs 11.30, we are in part two of a series called This is Tree. We kicked it off last week. It was our 37th anniversary. So now, yeah, we're one week in, and so we got 51 more weeks till our next one. So we got a lot to do between now and then. And so we're excited about this new season, this upcoming year. Um, We know God's just continuing. His best days are ahead for us. And so we took some time last week kind of talking about we're actually going to do that for the course of this month, just the core of who we are, uh, the culture we try and create around here. Uh, we, we launched out with this founding scripture. I'll share that every week, Proverbs 1130. And uh, I'm just going to explain to you again, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he who wins souls is wise, depending on your translation. And so that is actually where the word tree of life comes from. There's a lot of references to a tree of life in scripture. It's not because in the garden was the tree of life. Or in the end, by the river was a tree of life. You see tree of life at the beginning and at the end of the Bible. It actually came from Proverbs 11.30. If you go ahead and keep that up there for a few minutes for me. And so that's what rose up in the hearts of the founding pastors. Because it was interesting because when my parents said, we're like, we didn't even want to come. My brother and I drugged down here kicking and screaming. Teenagers, we're going to do what? It's our church. What are you going to call the church? Tree of life. What kind of name is tree of life? Are you serious? People are going to think we're a cult. Who goes to tree of life? If you Google tree of life and don't do it, you find some really weird stuff. Can I just tell you that? You can't tell, you'll find us, but there'll be a lot of weird stuff on there. But uh, actually, the scripture is really is really powerful when you understand the context, when you understand the content. And so the name tree of life comes from out of here. It says the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Let me review for a minute because I had to kind of go over some things and skip some things because of the dynamics of the service. We had some other things happening. I don't want you to miss the heart of who we are, but the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Fruit is something you produce. You produce fruit, period. Not even trying. Good fruit or bad fruit. Our goal is to produce good fruit, the fruit that comes from the tree of life or living in the tree of life. Um, the fruit of the righteous. Righteous are those right in right standing with God. Now, in of ourselves, we could not earn or create our own righteousness because of sin, but because of the work of Jesus and his righteousness, we have taken that on when we accept him as Savior and Lord. Aren't you glad that we are the righteousness of Christ, of, of Jesus in Christ Jesus, of God in Christ Jesus? Amen? And so I'm thankful when God sees us, he doesn't see our own works or inabilities and failures or mistakes or sin. He sees the blood of Jesus. So we are in right standing because of the work of Jesus. The scripture says, then those that are in right standing with God through the blood of Jesus should bear fruit. And that fruit should be out of a life-giving relationship with God. And then it should uh, overflow then into impacting or touching other people's lives. There we get the second half of the scripture. This wasn't just some add-on, by the way. It's like, what is that? It's like, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and boom, put an exclamation point on that. It sounds again. Oh, we need to throw this other thing in there. Find some. Yeah, let's just add it on to there. Just throw it on that one. Then God has purpose and intentionality to everything. And he who wins souls is wise, meaning to me that as we live in the tree of life, we'll explain that in a minute, our lives should produce fruit that will impact the lives of other people. That we're on mission, living in the tree of life. So God wants us to live out of a life-giving relationship with him, not of a set of rules and regulations. He wants us to live a life that comes from the inside out, not try and live a life that comes from the outside in because that never works. 
And so let's take a look in Hebrews 8. I think I shared it. I didn't share it in first service maybe, but second I did, I think. Hebrews 8, 7 through 13. Let's, let's take a look this way because in the Old Testament, God had a relationship that was based on external things. And the truth is, people still try and have a relationship with God today based on external things. In fact, churches and Christianity is notorious for creating and speaking and setting up relationships based on external things with the hope that it translates into the internal and it very rarely, if ever, does. God, however, set it up a way that there's an internal transformation and that it impacts our external. It's from the inside out. So let us never be a Christian or a Christ follower or a churchgoer or a church for that matter that gets caught up in creating external do's and don'ts, thinking that it's a form of godliness and miss out of an internal relationship with God. And then we live a godly life based out of the relationship, not out of external things. Does that make sense? And so here he says this in in Hebrews, going back, talking about the Old Testament. For there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, meaning the Old Covenant or Old Testament, no place would have been sought for another. Now we know that there's another one, our New Testament. But God found fault with the people and said, these days are coming, or the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant, New Testament, with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the old covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And can I say this? It would be really hard to because it was a relationship based on external things. In the Old Testament, because they did not have an experience through the Holy Spirit, Jesus through the Holy Spirit, that the relationship with God was external. God spoke to prophets and spoke to kings, and then they told the people. They only saw God move and do different things. God doesn't want an external relationship, but too many people are trying to live an external relationship with God. And nobody follows that for long. Nobody, our human nature says, I don't want that. We have rules and laws of the land and the law says you cannot go over 70, but we know that if we go 79, we're not gonna get pulled over. That's what I've been told, I don't know. So, so we have this external thing that the that, that church and people try and create and we, it makes us maybe feel better and we think that that's godly, but none of us can adhere to that because it's not meant to be external, it's meant to be internal. And he says that I, I, they did not remain faithful. How could they? Because their relationship was only based on what they had heard and what they'd seen. And uh, faithful to my covenant, I turned away from them, declares the Lord. Verse 10, this is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I'm going to do something new. I'm going to put my laws in their minds and listen to this, write them on their hearts. I want to be who they are, not what they do. I don't want an external relationship. I want to be their heart. I want, I want, to, I want them to, to be where I am. I want them to love me. They can't walk away from my love. I want to connect with them internally. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord because they'll all know him. They all will know me personally. We don't have to be told about him or how to do things from other people telling us the do's and don'ts. And they'll all know me from the least to the greatest. Everyone can for I'll give uh, their wickedness and will no longer remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. He's made the first one obsolete. He's not interested in an external set of rules and do's and don'ts. He's interested in your heart. 
We're creating environments where we can connect people to the heart of God. And I know sometimes that's hard to understand because we come from systems and we come from upbringings and experiences that try and get us to live a godly way based on these parameters. And can I tell you, God says, if you'll just love me with your whole heart, you'll follow me, you'll be like me, you'll talk like I talk, you'll think like I think, you'll hear like I hear, you'll treat people like I treat people, and it won't be based on some set of rules or do's and don'ts that we rebel against all the time. He says that old ways obsolete, and I just if I, I can't understand why man continues to try and put these old time Old Testament constraints on things. Where if we can just focus and create environments not based on rules and regulations, but environments based on connecting with God and living out of a relationship, and that has always been the heart of it. Not any better, any worse. And I'm not you know implying anything about anybody else. As I'll stand for God one day, and He'll just say, "Look at me. Did you lead tree of life the way I had you lead tree of life?" Not based on anybody else's church or calling or anything. And so understand that, I believe, has always been the heart of this church. Well, we kind of went over that last week, and and, uh, let me take that one step further with you um, and go to Genesis for me, Genesis 2, because I could keep going on this one, but we need to move on. Genesis 2, 8. So here's here's a conversation God has with Adam and Eve, the first conversation he has with the people he created in the garden. Therefore, we believe that those instructions still really uh, or challenges instructions to us today. He says this in Genesis 2, 8. Now the Lord planted a garden in the east in Eden. There he put man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees out of the ground and trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, in the middle, there were two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Notice good and evil. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When you eat from it, you'll certainly die. You will die a spiritual death. You'll die a relational death, a physical, a relational rather spiritual separation from God. What's God saying? Eat in the tree of life, live in the tree of life, which is about relationship with me, but don't get over into this place. Then you start deciding based on what you think is godly and not godly. You start putting things in place that would help me be godly and we're trying to live a godly way based on external things instead of a relationship with me because what happened was when they partook of the fruit, then their eyes were opened, a worldview was opened up to them and they started determining what they thought might be godly or not godly. Now notice it was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Look at uh, chapter three, verse one through seven. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animals the Lord God created. He said to the woman, did God really say, come on, come on seriously, Eve, did God really say you must, you, you must not eat from any, of, any tree in the garden? The woman said, yeah, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but he did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you'll die. Come on, you won't certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened to your own interpretation, your own personal worldview, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now listen what the devil appeals to Eve. Now see, we give Eve a hard time, or Adam really, but, but what that was appealing wasn't the pursuit of sin. He didn't appeal to her about something to do with sin or pleasure. He appealed to her about her desire to be like God. Do you get that? That we have this desire to be like God, but God wants us to be godly, but out of a relationship, not out of a worldview. And so now their eyes are open, and now they're interpreting and filtering everything godly or about God through their own interpretation. And so now we see the appeal to be godly was attractive and is attracted to people, but it's not ever fruitful if we're trying to live it based on external sets of rules and regulations. 
instead of living for him out of a relationship and just a love and passion for God. And so that's still the choice today. So we, we try to create environments that you connect with God personally. See, we're, we're not trying to see how many people we can get in a church. We're not trying to say this or that. We're trying to see how many people we can connect to God. Because then he'll be with you 24-7 and you won't have to call me up and say, hey, you think it's okay for me to do this or that? Everybody says, then you can just say, okay, God, what do you think about that? Yes, sir, I, I love you. I would never do that. Or forgive me for doing that. And so we need to understand that our goal here is to create environments that not that we're following these rules or regulations that we're trying to connect you relationally to God internally. And so that's still the thing that is happening today that we see there. And I say it this way, let's not do church, but let's be the church. Let's be the body of Christ. And so Proverbs 11.30 finishes by saying, he who wins souls is wise. In other words, out of a relationship, a life-giving relationship with Jesus, our life then, the fruit that we bear, then should spill over and impact the lives around about us. And this should just be a result, the fruit. The fruit that somebody eats of your life, if you will, of a loving relationship with Jesus should be one that's attractive enough to them to want what you have. And that's from living in the tree of life, not of the knowledge of good and evil. So what does Jesus say? Because we know the New Testament came along, God created a New Testament, so Jesus says he's establishing his earthly ministry as we look at the second half of Proverbs 11:30. he who in souls is wise. Jesus establishes his earthly ministry. He tells us something as he begins, and he starts gathering his disciples, and he starts with something very interesting in Matthew 4, another core value here at Tree of Life, or the culture we try and create, 4, 18 and 19. Here's what he says. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. And I don't know if you find humor in the scripture. I find this next phrase very funny because for they were fishermen. It's like, oh, okay. All right. I'm glad you cleared that up. thought they might be tax collectors or, you know, whatever. So I just, I don't know. Okay. Thank you for the other people that found it funny like me. We're going to start a support slash life group. Okay. So then he said to them, verse 19, listen, this, then he said to them, follow me and I will make you. And I should have just went dot, dot, dot and stopped for a second. And I put that other phrase up there because those of you that know or been around, you might know that what he's going to say is fishers of men. But if I was to ask, it'd be interesting that Jesus calls disciples, which he's calling us today. And he says, follow me and I will make you. What do you think your answer might be? Because I'll be honest with you, before I knew it, that it was fishers of men. I would maybe think, make me godly. Make me holy or, or make me more spiritual. That I would understand the things of God in a greater capacity. Oh, maybe he would make me a good, I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good husband for my wife. Make me, make me, make me a good husband. Maybe a good dad. I, I want to raise my kids in godly environment. I want to be a good dad. Maybe God would say, I will make you, uh, I will make you popular so you can have influence with people. Uh, I want you to do well, so I'm going to make you wealthy and, and healthy and wise. A wisdom like Solomon, maybe he's going to make me wise. Uh, maybe he's going to make me a leader so I can lead people and, and lead his church. Uh, maybe Maybe he's going to make me a world changer so I can go out and change the world. And can I tell you, yes, he wants to do all those things. But look at what Jesus says. The first thing he wants to do is make you fishers of men. Fishers of men, are you serious? What about all that other stuff? That's great stuff. But you know what? That's an outflow of living in the tree of life. Living a personal, life-giving relationship with Christ. All those things are the outflow of it, but you know the reason for all that. He says, Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. I love that idea. And it goes on to say this, in, in fact, let's look in Luke 5.10 because 
What Luke does is gives us another way that he says it. He says it this way, 510b. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. He didn't say you're gonna be a preacher. You're gonna be an evangelist. You're gonna be an apostle. You're gonna be a He says you will catch men. Well, there's an element of evangelism. But he says that you will catch men. You're gonna catch people. That's what he says to all of us. Fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who wins souls or fishes for men is wise. Say, I know when you hear that word, though, fishing for men or going out, the word evangel- an evangelist pops to mind. I mean, for me, it doesn't. Evangelism, he's talking about evangelism. Oh, great, here we go. And then we have a hard time with that evangelism term. And, and, and I do, too, because I, I don't, that scares me a little bit. I don't want to be that evangelist. I don't want to be, come on, because I watch too much late night TV. I don't want to be that televangelist guy, right? I don't, don't want to wear a white suit. I'm already too white already. I don't want a white suit, white shoes. Come on, catch a break. You know, it's like, I don't want to be that guy. I've seen those guys. I've seen them on the street corners. I've seen them when they're out there preaching fire and brimstone, right, and turn or burn, and I'm thinking, you're just pushing them away. What are you doing? Help me out, bro. Just give them life-giving stuff, right? I don't want to be that guy that's got that Bible that looks like that came off the coffee table, right, in the house, in grandma's house, and it's like, it took two people to carry it for them, right? And then that big old long page saver thing that just, they whip people, and they like, no, Jesus, right? That just this huge Bible stuff. That's the picture that comes to mind for me, this guy that's just preaching, turn or burn, and just, and can I tell you, some of you probably needed that. <laughs> so I don't, maybe, I don't, I don't know, but it's like, I don't want to do that, or you think, or you think, oh, great, now he's going to just make us feel bad, and, and you know what, he's going to start going out and passing out tracts. We're all going to gather here, and we're going to go door to door and pass out tracts. Can I tell you, the only thing that passes out when we do tracts is me. I'm just, I don't do that. That just freaks me out. My parents used to make us do that when the church first started. We were knocking on doors, passing out tracks. People got mad when you did that, right? Or, or what is this? We're going to go, he's going to take all of us now and he's going to make us go to uh, outside of Schlitterbahn during the summer of the river and do dramas or do mimes, right? We're going to do mime evangelism, right? <laughs> the devil put me in a box. The devil put me in a box. I, I just, I, that stuff just weirds me out. I don't know why I did it right here. I'm afraid to do that. I did it right in front of all of you. So it's like, and it wasn't the Holy Spirit. I don't know what spirit overcame you right then, but it was, just, it was a weird thing. I know you're right. You're ready for the altar call right now. You're all ready to come to Christ because of my mime evangelism. But if you think back to the person that helped lead you to Jesus, it wasn't the guy with the coffee table and Bible whipping the devil with that page saver. It wasn't, it wasn't all this happening like this and turn or burn and guilting you, and guilting you into stuff. Can I, can I tell you, when I got saved, I was a kid, an elementary kid at Pierre Moran Baptist Church in, in Goshen or Elkhart, Indiana, and I responded to an altar call as a kid because I didn't want to go to hell. Come on, don't look at me like that because I know a lot of you got saved because you didn't want to go to hell. Come on, right? I didn't want to go to hell. I was, in a, I, was a, I was a kid. They scared me. They scared me into heaven. I'll just say it that way, right? I just, I don't want to go to hell. And so, but later in life, I remember when my family then went from that church over to uh, New Creation Fellowship in Goshen, Indiana. And it was a Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled church. And, and, uh, and you know what I saw there? Is I saw life. I saw life. And, and I remember getting saved as a kid. But, and I remember that experience vividly. But I remember really my life changing at 12 years old when this man named David Golden in New Creation Fellowship, he was the nicest guy. He was funny. He was cool. He was kind. And I thought, that's what I want to be like. And all of a sudden, I rededicated myself because now I went from being afraid. I, didn't, I got saved because I didn't want to go to hell. And now I wanted to serve Jesus. Jesus because of this man's life. And he wasn't the preacher and he wasn't the pastor. You know what he was doing? He was being a fisher of men. 
And if you think about the person that helped lead you and was instrumental in leading you to Christ, they weren't the evangelist standing on the street corner beating the devil down or making you feel guilty about anything. It was probably that person maybe that you worked with or that, or that family friend or whatever that was so kind and loving and comparing. The words you would use to describe would be compassionate, patient, forgiving, loving, giving. Probably most of every one of us in here probably would describe, that would be what would describe the person that helped lead us to Jesus. And maybe it was over a period of time, so maybe we would describe, never gave up. Kept coming, kept fishing. And it was people just like you and me. It wasn't anybody that went to school and had to learn this three-point sermon and had to, you know, all this kind of stuff. It was people just like us. People that live in the tree of life. And the fruit their life produces is attractive to people that they want what you have. And the, the reality is a lot of us came from environments and stuff of rules and regulations. In fact, those were big turnoffs for us. A bunch of do's and don'ts. But when we saw the fruit produced in a life, because we know, we see people that live that, with that, that adhere to that type of belief system but don't actually live that. Because who can when it's all external? But when we talk about internal things. But I know there's, I know there's a lot of challenges and stuff. And believe me, I, I, I remember one time, a really quick story, that we took a missions trip to Peru, and we went up into the Andes Mountains into this city. And, and uh, my brother was already there. His family were living in Lima, Peru, and they went with us on the trip. And, and so I was running the team, and we, we set everybody out in this big, huge plaza with thousands of people. And we had dramas. We had the mind dramas. We had all that stuff. And we set them out and stuff. And I was so scared. I didn't, I don't, I didn't do that. That I, I, told them, I told the missionary guy and my brother, I said, I'm just going to walk around and take videos so we can do an update when we get home. Hey, look what everybody did. That's my job. I was like, come, Pastor Don, be in our group. And I'm good. I got video. I got to document this. We got to have a, a testimonial thing when we get home. And, and the camera was my safety because that freaked me out. And so, and so the, the guy says, he looks to my brother and I says, you know what? We need to lead by example. So we need to go out and witness to some people. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yes, sir. We're here to serve. And so we go and the guy says, okay. He goes, who's going to go first? He goes, one of you talk, I'll, I'll translate. And my, Jeff and I are just looking at each other and I'm, I'm like, come on, brother. You're the older. Come on. You're the oldest. Come on, big brother. Take the lead. And He's looking at me, and the guy says, hey, no worries. If you get stuck, if you get, you know, if you get freaked out, you don't know what to say, just say, he said, Mary had a little lamb. I'll just pick it up in Spanish, and I'll just go ahead and keep witnessing for you. <laughs> okay, praise the Lord. All right. So, so, I, so the guy says, okay, you're the older one? Jeff says, yes. And he goes, okay, you go first then. And I was like, yes, thank you, God. And so the very first group of people we go to, the very first group of people, the interpreter walks up to him and looks at Jeff, and Jeff says, Mary had a little lamb. And I, I don't know what the guy says, but I never heard Maria at all in there. And I know Spanish, right? That's all the Spanish I know. And then he went right on and he goes, I just want to tell you about, and, and the whole group of people got saved. And, and so I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. My heart was beating out of my chest. And he goes, okay. He goes, Don, you're up next. And because your brother went first, he gets to pick the group of people that you witnessed to. And I'm like, are you serious? And so there's like this rough, tough, tough, gangbang looking group that the last, least likely people that would get saved on the planet group of people that my brother said, mm, how about those guys over there, right? So I'm like, oh man. And so I walk up there and the guy introduces us and he says, go ahead. And I said, Mary had a little lamb. <laughs> and the guy just, he covered it, no worries. And I thought, his fleece was white as snow. 
And everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. Can we pray now? Vamos a orar. Come on, right now. It's like, I, eventually I got it together. It scares me. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about living in the tree of life and being people that have a personal relationship which reflects on who we are and what we do, being attractive to the people around about. Now, that other stuff's good stuff and we need to do it. Can I tell you, it freaks me out more than anything. I put me up in front of 50,000 people, no worries, but one-on-one and door-to-door, I don't, but listen, but I can live a life in the tree of life that reflects the life, love, and power of Jesus. Oh, I'm not perfect by any means, but that's not the expectation. But out of my relationship, then people can see Jesus. And that's all we're really talking about. Fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. But here's the thing, because some of the reasons why people don't fish, because we didn't know we were supposed to. I didn't know I was supposed to. Oh, you mean I'm supposed to go out there? I thought the pastors were doing that. I thought the, the, the staff, that's where the, the guys we just brought in the church. Can, can I tell you, if you're one that no one told you, guess what? You've just been told, and now you're responsible for it. Great, of all the days to come to church. Okay, there you go. But this is what followers do. Here's another reason, because we don't know how to fish. I would be involved if I just knew how, and I understand that that can be scary or intimidating. I, I get it, listen, I love fishing. I love real fishing. I'm not a fisherman, but I go with people that are. I don't even own all the gear. I just show up just without anything, and I use all their stuff and feel bad when I get it hung up and we have to break the line, but nonetheless, I, we go, and I know, but I know to go with people that know how to fish. And I love being out there and I love doing it. I love being a part of it. But can I tell you, part of what our job is is to equip you and help you. And maybe it's through serving. Maybe it's through an outreach. Maybe it's through a group. Maybe. But listen, we want you to know how to do this. And that's kind of what this series is about. In fact, it's our job to prepare you. And so the next several weeks, I want you to come be locked in. Another one would be this, uh, because we're afraid to fish. Because we're afraid to fish. And I understand that. We've just mentioned the whole reasons why, and I know that. And we get embarrassed or whatever that is, but I, I want to tell you how important it is. I want us to be prepared. We need to be prepared for this next season. See, we're heading into the fall season, and fall and the natural fall harvest in the spiritual, for whatever reason, it's harvest as well. And as we get into the fall, into September and stuff, it's important for you and I to be on mission, to be people that know what it is to live in the tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. That's who we are, too. we've always been. But we need to be people that are on mission. We need to be people that are fishing, being aware of what's happening around about us and that we can live a life connected to the source of life and let his life then impact the lives around about us. And so we're heading to a fall season. So we're kicking off on Labor Day weekend, rather, September 2nd. Joe McGee's going to be with us and launch our fall. So we're super excited that uh, we're, we're kicking off a, a series. We're kicking off groups. We got things planned in the fall, like uh, at the movies that are completely evangelistic to reach people for Jesus. We're doing 21 days of prayer to help us live in the tree of life so we can be on mission. That's what we're doing. But let me give you four reasons why we need to learn how to share our faith. Number one, fishing's fun. Fishing's fun. I love to go. I love to fish. Whether I catch anything or not, I just love to be there. But it can, it's not as scary as you think. And I wish, I want so bad for everyone here to experience that feeling when you've had a part in somebody coming to Jesus. Man, there's nothing greater than knowing that you had a part in somebody coming to Jesus, that their eternity has been changed forever. They were headed to hell and now they're headed to heaven 
There's no greater feeling than that. There's no greater high, if you will. I don't know that there's a bigger thrill in all of Christianity than knowing you played a role in someone's eternal destiny and changing. It's one of the greatest joys in life. In fact, look at this in Luke 15, 10. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God, in the presence of angels of God, over one sinner who repents. There's a party goes on in heaven every time somebody gives their life to Jesus. Can I tell you, that's amazing to me that all heaven rejoices when somebody comes to Christ. Because can I tell you, I'm trying to wrap my brain around that idea because how could you find something else to rejoice over when you're in heaven? It's heaven, It's, it's heaven. I mean, that's the pinnacle of rejoicing. That's the pinnacle of celebrating. What could add to the celebration going on in heaven? I mean, you're in heaven. What else could cause a party? And there can't be anything else except one soul coming to Jesus. You know what makes heaven celebrate? Heaven celebrate? Heaven rejoice and throw a party? Someone coming to Jesus. That's how important that is. Think about that for a second. Come on, heaven's a party. Heaven's a celebration. What else could be better than heaven? Another person getting saved. Another eternity being changed. No greater thrill in heaven or earth. Fishing is fun. And know this. We have the answer to life. We have what people are looking for. We have the answer to hopelessness. How can we keep it to ourselves? 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20 says this. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciled means bringing the balance to zero. He brought your balance to zero. He paid. He caught it up. You were in debt because of sin. He paid your debt. He paid your price. He didn't incur it, but he brought your balance to zero reconciled. And it says he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So think about it. We get to tell people that Jesus paid the balance and brought it to zero. We get to tell people that their debt has been paid. They don't owe anything. I mean, there's not a greater message than you don't owe anything. Come on, right? When you paid off the car, when you paid off that, or someone even bought your lunch, that's fun to celebrate. Your balance is zero. We get to bring that message to people goes on to say what, that what God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, Christ brought the balance to zero, not counting people's sins against them. What a message. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to Jesus. This is God's plan. He does not have a plan B. He doesn't, you're it. Fishing. Listen, hell's not a place where God sends people he's mad at. It's a place where people insist on paying for their own sin. But we get to tell them they don't have to. It's already been paid. Number two, fishing is necessary. Fishing is necessary. Listen, this is not about building a church. It's not about building an organization. Heaven and hell are real. Heaven and hell are real places and people actually go to one of them. And we're the ones that carry the message. So this really isn't an option because people have to know it's a real place. It's something we need to do. Romans 10, 13 through 15 says this, for everyone who calls everyone 
who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It implies that you don't get saved if you don't call on the name of the Lord. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how can they, anyone go and tell them without being sent like we're doing right now? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. If you don't call on the name of the Lord, you're not going to be saved. And I know there's a doctrine out there and people talk about you just, you'd be good enough or it's already been decided and God's already selected people. Can I tell you, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone, the Bible says. God wants everyone to be saved and he's left it up to us to help him. And he's patiently waiting. Second Peter 3, 9 says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And I imagine Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. The white horse is already saddled, and he's waiting. Can I go get him now? Can I go get him now? And God's like, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, not yet, not yet. There's something going on here. Let's wait a minute. On the hopes that another one's going to come to the knowledge of Jesus. He's patiently waiting because he, his desire is that everyone is to be saved. Number three, Jesus asks us to go fishing that could be enough right there. Jesus asked you to. That's all we need and reasons why. Because Jesus asked us to. And that's important because when you called him Lord, that means he's in charge. When you called him Savior, that means he calls the shots. We do it because the one who bled and died for us has asked us to do this for him. We call his ask the Great Commission. Maybe you've heard that term before. The Great Commission is what he's asked us to do. Go fulfill the Great Commission. Go out and do the Great Commission. That's his ask to you and I. In fact, his ask, all four Gospels contain his ask of you and I and the book of Acts. In fact, the first five books of the New Covenant, the New Testament, the first five books, four of those, the Gospels, the first four books end with his ask. And then the fifth book, the book of Acts, where the last words of Jesus were his ask to you and I. Let's take a look, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Here we go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Mark 16, 15, the next gospel, the last part of it says this. Jesus said, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Luke 24, 47, New Living Translation, Luke records, Jesus asked this way, it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations. Proclaim in the authority of his name the message to all nations. He says this in John, John says this in John 20, 21, and Jesus Jesus said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. I'm sending you to fish. And the book of Acts, the fifth book, five consecutive books, Jesus' last words on the planet before he ascends to heaven. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the ends of the earth. I don't know if you know this or not, but we are a great commission church. We are a Great Commission church. That means we are on mission. That means we're fishing. That means Sunday morning when you come to this place, come ready because we are throwing the net out there. Bring people that don't know Jesus that are lost and hurting because we are throwing the net out there. That means we create environments so people can experience the life, love, and power of Jesus and want what he provides so we can throw the net out there and catch those that need to be found, that need to be caught, that Jesus gave his life for. Listen, we don't have a Sunday morning service so you can come and check off a box. 
and I don't mean that hard as it may have sounded, that's not my heart, but I know that sometimes we, 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 we want church to be different. I, I know sometimes that you would like to learn something different. I, I know maybe you want, hey, can we go swim in the deep end of the pool? I, I know that you want to learn, perhaps, can we open up the book of Leviticus today, Pastor, and teach us some of the things? I, I know that, but can I tell you, Sunday morning, we are casting the net. We are fishing for the lost and hurting people of this world. But I know if you come with an open heart living in the tree of life, that you'll receive something for you to grow in. And I know that we need to apply the word, not just be hearers of the word. But listen, that's why it's important to get in groups. That's why it's important to go through discipleship. That's why it's important to serve so you can continue to grow and be a part of this mission. But on Sunday morning, we're a great commission church. As long as there's one on this planet that doesn't know Jesus as Savior and Lord, we are on mission. We're fishing. We're casting the net. Because you can get to heaven without a lot of things, but you can't get to heaven without Jesus. You cannot. So we believe God's called us to make a difference all around the world. That's why next month we're going to have a serve day so we can be the hands and feet of Jesus in our communities. And that's why we're hoping hundreds of you will sign up for that. So be the, be the hands and feet of Jesus. That's why we give generously to help people through the Family Life Center and other ways that are in need so we can show them the love of Jesus. That's why we plant churches in Mexico. That's why we did Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames, and over a three-day period saw 600 people give their life to Christ. That's why we plant churches in India, and the 10 missionaries we support have opened up right now already 29 villages to the gospel that have never heard the name Jesus before in their life. That's why we have another event. That's why we do what we do. That's why there is a tree of life. That is why we exist. We can't forget why we exist. It's so important to talk about it because there's a natural gravitational pull back into what we want to do. Because we have this pull to live out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we need to be reminded what it means to live out of the tree of life and what's at stake for other people. For us to live a life that reflects his life, love, and power so we can be fishing. We can't forget that there's a pull to do what's best for us. We can't let that happen. We've got to be on mission. And here's what I would say. We've been caught already. For those that know Jesus, you've already been caught. You're a follower, and followers fish. My last reason because we were all fish once. Why do we fish? Because we were all fish once. I don't know, maybe you don't want to remember that day, maybe you don't, maybe you're even talking about the person that was instrumental in helping lead you to the Lord, but do you remember when you were a fish? I, for some of you, I know I've heard some of the stories, it was a, the time that you came to Christ, it was in the darkest moment of your life, the, the heartbreak, the pain was real. I don't, I, I'm trying to create some kind of emotional response, but, but come on, when we were all fish, when we were lost and there was no hope, someone came and brought hope. When we thought there was no one there that loved us, we felt and found the love of Christ unconditionally through his people. Come on, when we were once fish, we needed a way out and Jesus provided through his people that were out fishing. And they were dedicated. They didn't quit. They didn't give up. Even we told them no. We called them names. We avoided them. We didn't answer their phone call. We wouldn't hang out with them anymore. And yet they pursued. Because why? Because we were all fish once, so we don't quit. We don't quit. What if someone gave up on us? Thank God the one who fished for you didn't quit. Thank God that one person didn't give up on you or settle for a no. So if we were in... And we were in some dark place that came out. How can we do anything but help somebody else find the light? Why do we keep reaching lost people? Because God never stopped reaching for us. 
2 Corinthians 5.14. For Christ's love compels us. It compels us because we're convinced that one died, that one died for all and therefore all died. We're convinced that he died for all. One died for all. We have no other choice because we're compelled. It wasn't just for us, but it was for all those that don't know him yet. He didn't just die for me. He died for all. He died for all. He died for all those that you know that do not know him yet. So we have to keep fishing. And so now I know after a message like this, I'm trying to be really careful not to try and move you uh, emotionally, but I know right now that something like this, we have to process it. Because it's something that weighs on, on me. What am I doing as a follower? Am I fishing? What am I doing? Am I living in the tree of life? Is my life bearing the fruit that others would find attractive and what, what, we, what we want? And I want to ask all of you to ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit what to do. Commit to be a follower who fishes. Commit to be someone who's aware and sensitive of those that are lost round about us. Commit to be one who lives in the tree of life so your life bears fruit. It doesn't mean perfect life. It means out of a life-giving relationship with Jesus and never be content with where we are at. That's why we have one more event, one more church to plant, one more service to have, one more outreach to do, one more kids program, one more thing. That's why there's always one more because there's still people that are lost. Because the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who in souls is wise. God is a faithful God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. My heart, my hope today was not to move anybody, guilt anybody into doing anything, but just to present what I believe is the heart and spirit of this church. I believe it's what God instructs us to do. And I believe, and I hope that I was able to show you that in the scripture, but I know that means then we have to process this in our own individual lives. What does that mean for us? What does that mean for our involvement? Because followers fish, what does that look like? How do we take that next step then? And I pray that the Holy Spirit comes and speaks to you and reveals that to you. And it might be serving, it might be outreach, it might be missions, it might be inviting your neighbor, it might be engaging a little deeper, it might be giving a little bit more, it might be helping create those environments so people can come here so when that nest, that net, net is cast rather, and people come in to Jesus. Just ask the Holy Spirit. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.